Luke chapter 2 is where the Christmas story comes from in, in the passage of Scripture from the Bible. And I'm going to read that, and then our worship team is going to come up and lead us in some music. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we just come to you and we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who came to us in a very humble form, being born as a baby. We thank you for what the angels declared over him and his life, that he had come to be our Savior, that he had come to bring peace between us and you. And we thank you for the shepherds who went forth and they told. And God, we realize that is the calling upon each and every one of us that we are to go out and tell, to tell of this one who has been born, our Redeemer, our Messiah, and what he came to do for us. From the cradle to to the grave, Father. May this just resonate from our lives and from our hearts as we celebrate you tonight. God, may it be glorifying to you, uplifting to our hearts. Just um, help us to edify each other through the singing of this music and also through the teaching that Ray will bring to us tonight. God, we ask these things in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Heart Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, Yeah. 
Some more uh, picks up here. <laughs> yeah. Sing His praises all my days. Now I. 
wondrous mystery in the dawning of the King. He, the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom
Christ is born, Christ is born for you. Sometimes I've been there myself. Uh, there's nothing under the Christmas tree, but uh, a family sitting together at the kitchen table, eating, enjoying life, talking just about uh, uh, you know the appreciation that we have each other. You know, growing up, we had uh, we had a divorced family. On one side that was decently wealthy, one side that was very poor, and so uh, it would be two extremes. And we learn to appreciate both sides. And, uh, oh, thank you. Was it not on? No. Okay. I, okay. Thank you. I was uh, fixing to call my wife. No. <laughs> he did. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. All right. But anyways, I hope you appreciate this time, right? It's not always about the materialism. In fact, it's never about the materialism, right? It's about what we're saying today in Christ, our King. Man, just thank you for the songs. They were so deep. And, uh, man, just, uh, just to reflect the words there. Um, man, we're just so amazing. Anyways, let's go ahead and start with our devotion tonight. So why do we sing, right? Why do we sing these songs tonight? You know, what is it? Why do we need Christ, the baby, to come in the manger, right? What has happened that we need him, okay? Well, all of you know, you know, we've been studying Genesis with the kids um, a few uh, weeks ago or months ago, and we talked about the original, actually the last couple of years, we talked about sin, and um, <clears throat> we know that it began in the garden, right? And we know that after that, there was a relationship that was broken. And so from that day forward, we've been trying to repair what we've done or what has happened since then we're trying to go back to pre-sin right now we're post-sin and we're always trying to go back and restore our relationship with God but we can't do that on our own 
Therefore, we sing these songs, right? We talk about Christ, the baby who has come. And so today, I want to go a little bit deeper, and I want you to understand that why we truly need Christ, the baby, to come, okay? And that is because of sin, the sin of man. So how does the first man's sin affect all born after him? Anybody know? What's that? Guilty, right. Guilty, and we'll talk about it's a good word. The original sin refers to the first sin committed by Adam, okay, in the garden. <clears throat> we see this in Psalms 51.5. It says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. We see in Ephesians 2.3, it says, Among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. And that's why we did these things, because our nature has changed. We are now children of wrath, okay, even as the rest, it says. Now, what's interesting is that it says we are nature or by nature children of wrath. Prior to the fall, we were not children of God. We were creatures of God. He created us, okay? There was no reason for adoption. He created us. And afterwards, we see, and I think if I quote it right, as John chapter 1, verse 12, and um, right around there, 12 or 14, I can't remember where it is, but he says that he has given us the right to become children of God, not through man's will or anything like that. I'm kind of paraphrasing it here. Owen quoted it a couple Sundays back in one of his sermons. But again, that is our birth certificate. When Christ makes us our, His children, when we put our faith and trust of Him, and He is our, now our Father, and we are no longer children of wrath. Our Father now is Christ. Okay. Now, man's sin is also linked with man's sinfulness. There's two things, like just like in 1 John we talked about. You see sin, and then you see sins. And then here we see man's <coughs> sin and man's sinfulness. Okay. And so we see, let's, take, let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We'll take a look at this. It's probably one of the most debated sections in the Scripture. <clears throat> There's a little section we'll talk about. We'll try to go, to it, go through it tonight. We have till midnight, right? Most of you open presents at midnight tonight. We'll, we'll get you out at 11.50, give you 10 minutes to get home, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, we do. Actually, we'll probably do it after this. <laughs> but anyways, we see in Romans 5, and you can go through 12 through 21 is the whole section, but we're just going to cherry pick some of these verses here so you don't have to go through them. This is a devotional. I'm, not, I'm trying not to preach to you, even though my heart wants to just spew all these things out, right? So verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right, Stephen? All have sinned. That's right. So here in verse 12, we see four truths, okay? Sin entered the world through one man. Sin brought death. Sin spread to all people. And death spread to all people because all have sinned, okay? Now, the only point that is debated is the last one. Death spread to all people because all sinned. I didn't do that. I didn't do Adam's sin. Why am I responsible for that? Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. Okay? But the question is, how have all sinned in Adam? That's the question, okay? Is Paul referring to the fact that all people commit sin? I mean, we do, word, thought, or deed, right? Or does it somehow tie us back to Adam's original sin with all people being sinners? Well, let's take a look. Let's go down a couple passages in, this, in Romans here in verse 18 and 19 and see what it tells us. Verse 18 says, So then as through one transgression, so this is the one, this is the original sin, there resulted condemnation to all men. You see that? He's talking about Adam here. One transgression that resulted condemnation to all men. But why? I didn't do that. 
right? Let's go to verse 19. I won't read the verse 18, the rest of 18. We'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 19 is, For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were appointed sinners. So we see we're condemned and then we're appointed as sinners. So there's a connection here between Adam's sin and the sinfulness of Adam's descendants. Okay? So we see two issues here. The first one is Adam's original sin. Okay, so what does that mean to us? As uh, <clears throat> was mentioned, Adam's guilt is our guilt. Okay? When Adam sinned, he represented all people. Okay? That's why even though you didn't commit that sin, the original sin, he represents you and I. Okay? He represents all people. So therefore, his sin is associated to his descendants. Anybody who comes from Adam is represented by Adam. Okay? Well, that's not fair, right? Well, hold on. We see this in the home, right? If my wife, I use this example all the time, not that she does this, but if my wife uh, overbalances the checkbook and checks start bouncing, is it her fault or my fault? I mean, she committed the act, but at the end of the day, I am the head of the household, and I am responsible for her actions, okay? We see that. The man is responsible for the actions of his family, right, Stephen? Yes. We also see this with Adam himself. It was Eve who committed the first action, right? And who did God go looking for? Adam, that's right. Okay, we, and there's plenty more Old Testament examples. The headship model is, runs through Scripture. In fact, Christ is the head of the church, okay? But an Old Testament example is found in Josh 7, 24 and 25. You can look that up if you want. Okay, we see this in Christ. Like I said, uh, now let's go back to verse 18 and 19. We see this in Christ. Let's read the second half of 18 that we didn't read. So it says, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men through one act, through one one representer, right? Even so, let's go to 19 now, the second half of 19. Even so, through the obedience of the one that many will be appointed righteousness. So you see here, we see two examples we see that one man's actions can have implications to their descendants, okay? Because if you feel the same way about Adam, well, I didn't do that sin, so I shouldn't have to pay for it. Well, then do you want to go to the cross and pay for your own sins too, rather than Christ? I mean, you got to take it over here and take it over here, right? Absolutely. But we have representers, right? It's a legal term, right? They legally represent us. Now, uh, so because Adam represents us, then his sin is imputed unto his descendants. It's placed onto them, right? Um, it's imputed. Very important word. I was going to go like the whole doctrine of imputation, but I'm going to just slightly touch it a little bit. But you need to understand this. is very, very important. We look at 1 Corinthians 14.22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. So there's a way of escape. Okay, death and life are linked by two men. You got Adam in the beginning, then you have Christ, the God-man. Okay, the Christ, the God-man. Now, let's go to Romans 14, or chapter 5, verse 14, the same little section we're in. But let's take a look at verse 14. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the trespass of Adam. See, here it is. Even those who had not sinned in the likeness of, those who tre- uh, of the trespass of Adam. So it's even saying, even those who didn't do what Adam did, death reigned. Because it doesn't matter that you did the act. It, the question is, is that, not the question, but the point is, is that Christ represents all of humanity. No human can escape because Adam is the, is, the, uh, <clears throat> is the head of all humanity, and we all come from Adam. Now, you can see the evolutionary perspective. If we get rid of 
this idea and say we all came from monkeys. Now this, there's no responsibility for sin, right? Anyways, that was a, that was a freebie there. <laughs> That's not in my notes. <laughs> but <clears throat> now let's look at Romans 5.14. As we said, death reigned uh, even to those who had not sinned in the likeness of the trespass of Adam. So we see here that Adam's offspring did not commit the sin that Adam did. Adam is associated to us as the representation of mankind. Again, he imputed his sin to us. So God even says it here. Yeah, there are some who, or there are those, probably most of us, who didn't commit any sin. But again, we are represented by Adam. Okay? So both Adam and Jesus are representers of humanity. Okay, so Adam is from sin and Christ through righteousness. Both of their actions are placed on others. Okay, so Adam represents sinful humanity and Jesus is a representer of righteous humanity. Okay, who are the righteous people? Are you righteous? Are you righteous? Have you put your faith and trust in God? Have you called upon Christ, the one we've been singing about today? Those are the righteous. Now, so again, remember, we are condemned because we are represented by Adam. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how good you are. Adam is your representer. Now, what about our nature, though? There are those who believe that we, because we, are, we have a sinful nature, then that's why we are condemned. And it actually, it, it's not. We do have a sinful nature, okay? We, but this part is we inherit a corrupt nature passed on from Adam to the whole of humanity. There's two consequences of sin. One is that now Adam, he sinned and represents us all. We're all condemned. And because of that, it has changed our nature. Okay? And now our nature is sinful. We see this with creation. It's like the thorn to the rose. Okay? Before the sin of man, there were no thorns on the roses. But after, there were, or there is. So our nature is not what condemns us, okay? Our nature does not condemn us. It's who we are now. We are already condemned, okay? And why? Because Adam represents us. So remember that. We are, um, uh, yeah, we, we, we are not, we are stained by sin, right, because Adam represents us. We are condemned. There we go. That's what I was looking for. We are condemned because Adam represents us. So Adam and Christ are both legal reps. So the question is, which one are you represented by? Okay. So Christ offers salvation through the cross. This baby who 30 years after being born begins the ministry. Okay. Three years later, this baby is crucified. For us. Why? So that way his one act can be imputed unto us. His righteousness. Okay? So one man represents us, sinful humanity, and one man, the God-man, Christ Jesus, represents us in righteousness. Very important. So when we sing these Christmas songs, we celebrate the time of Christmas, there is a major, major misunderstanding. Why It's not just about a cute little baby. We don't even know what he looks like, right? What's important is, is what he came to do, the act on the cross to offer you and me the representation of righteousness. When we do that, Christ imputes his righteousness on us And now, instead of God looking at us through Adam because he represents us, he now looks at us through Christ, the righteous. And now we are righteous in Christ. What an amazing gift God has given us. When we sing these songs, the baby is a gift 
that will eventually represent us if we put our faith and trust in Him. So the question is, Adam and Christ are both legal reps. Which one are you being represented by? Stephen, would you close us or end this in prayer to prayer? Start the same way. <coughs> yeah. We'll wait a little bit. Get the lights up, you know. Nice and cool. Set the mood for the Lord, you know. <laughs> I don't think we should give any fire to Noah. He looked at me kind of funny with that <laughs> candle. <laughs> he has a burning desire to burn me. <laughs> he's, he's sweet, though. Sweet man. Spring from on high and cause thy light on us to rise, disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel.
Come again with us to dwell. 